This is Agents Influence Podcast. And you can be a great entrepreneur, but you could also suck at managing people, right? So, I mean, because managing people requires to be semi-detail-oriented, and you need to be part therapist, part mom, part dad, and be able to, you know, be a project manager, too, especially in an agency where you're only looking at, you know, five or ten employees. I mean, you're going to wear a lot of hats, but as an owner, if that's not you, you're never going to get your company to that, you know, five, ten million in revenue. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, Change your finances. Change your family. And in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Agents Influence Podcast, Conversations with Jason Cass. Today, we are going to be joined by Miss Cindy Donaldson. And I think you guys, some of you may know her, for some of you don't. That's why I brought her on here, because she's a a very electric personality. I've known her, and when I say that, it's like known her in the new age, known her. Like, I've never really officially, like, sat down and had a conversation like we're going to today, of just kind of here and there, maybe on a little bit of social media. I read her newsletter, or I guess her emails that she sends out. Uh, I'm always trying to focus focus my energy on people just like yourself who are trying to better our age, our industry so that we can better our industries and give a better client experience. I know she touches a little bit on marketing. She talks about a lot of things. She's a business builder, a people connector, but I'll let her introduce herself here in a minute. But before we do, I want to let you guys and remind you guys that coming up on September 13th through the 15th, September 13th through the 15th in Las Vegas, we will be having AI Lab. Now that used to be formerly known as Grow Lab. Remember one of the three conferences you definitely want to go to. And it's going to be AI Lab, and it's going to be September 13th through the 15th in Las Vegas, Nevada. The hotels have been narrowed down to actually three. It is either the W, Rio, or SLS. And right now, just to let you know the inside scoop, I would say SLS is greatly leading. Now, by the time this podcast comes out, that's probably already been decided because the opening is March 1st. So if you go to AI Lab 18, that's AI Lab 18, and you will be able to see at that time, it's not up as we record this podcast, but AILab18.com will be up and that's where you can go register. Keep in mind, we only take 100 people. That's no ifs, ands, buts. People used to think that was a gimmick, but in 2016, we only took 50. In 2017, we only took 100 and we are capping it out at 100 again. And keep in mind that the mastermind members, this is actually a live meeting meeting is what it is. We've got about 60 of them. They get to come for free. So if you're a mastermind member, you get to come for free. And that really only leaves about another 30, 40, 50 seats possibly open. So be sure to get in, go to IALab18.com. I hope to see you there. It's a fantastic time. It's not a conference. It's a brain share is what it is. So where we sit down in a room and we just share what we're doing, I promise you'll walk away with 15 to 20 pages worth of notes. We've got a couple new dynamics that we're going to add to it. And I'm excited about it. That's September 13th through the 15th. That's AILab18.com. 
AILab18.com, September 13th through the 15th in Las Vegas, Nevada. So before we do get on, I want to remind you that this is Agents Influence Conversations with Jason Cass. If you remember, we have broken it into the podcast now into two separate podcasts, and this is going to be a conversation we're going to have with the one and only Miss Cindy Donaldson. Cindy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. First time I've ever been called electric, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> well... I can't believe that I'm the first one to call you that. They're getting ready to find out why I called you that, Cindy. So, Cindy, we'll get right into this. Let me ask you this. Are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? I am an iPhone, Apple all the way. Apple all the way. So you have a Mac and everything. Yes, I do. All right. Well, at least you're all in, (laughs) right? At least you just don't have it. At least you're not chilling over there with the PC. But yeah, I have the iPhone because I want to be cool. You know, I mean, that's cool. So you're all in and that's awesome. That's good. That's good. Second question. Or well, no, first of all, extending off of that first question, what is the last application that you have downloaded for business, personal life that you think people should know about? Oh, wow. I've been doing a lot of automation stuff lately. So the last program I downloaded was probably Active Campaign, which we use for email email marketing. And it's pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. So it's not as like expensive or complicated as Infusionsoft, but it's a step up from Drip. So really love it. Active campaign. Yep. No, I think Active Campaign is by far the best out there. I think Infusionsoft is overkill. It is. And I think some of the other things out there don't necessarily have the dynamics. I think Active Campaign by far is the greatest. That's what we're using in our agency. We are building it out very slowly. It's something that my email marketing is just totally taking a backseat to about five or six other things, but active campaigns. Awesome. I didn't know they had their own. I believe they do. Like I have a number two at my office. Her name is Jen. And so she deals a lot with the automation stuff. And I believe they do have an app because she does everything from her phone. She's a millennial, right? Right. (laughs) She does everything from her phone. So yeah, I believe they do, but don't quote me on that one. Okay. And then let me go into my second question. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? I love to win. Why? Well, I don't like to put a negative around anything, really. So the winning for me, I think success is a mindset. And, you know, you just keep your eye on the prize. And when you do that, the things that most people perceive as Mount Vesuvius and just huge and can't overcome it really just become bumps in the road. So eye on the prize, I focus on the win. And For me, losing or failing is just an opportunity to learn something new and uh, move on. So fail fast, correct, adjust, go. Yes. I usually get a very broad definition of why people answer that question. And yours was, once again, unique, but I loved how you compared it and wrapped it around not being negative. I've heard that before by people saying that hate to lose. They just hear that word hate and it just goes with negative. But let me point out one thing here. What was this word you used? Oh my gosh. Mount Vesuvius was that word? Mount Vesuvius, like Mount Everest, a huge mountain. Wow. No, I love that. I mean, I will tell you right now that English is is not my specialty, but that is a word. I don't think I've ever heard that before. You've never heard of Mount Vesuvius? It's a famous... No, uh, I just haven't. It's all good. I, I just haven't. So... That's all right. You know, we're in the Midwest here, you know, the flyover territory for you, for you East Coasters, you know, just, just the flyover area. But yeah, so no, that was wild. I'd never heard that before. Okay. So Cindy, take us back to, so that we get to know who you are. The loyal listeners want to be able to relate. I mean, take us back as far as you want and kind of tell us where you started. I mean, once again, I say this all the time. I don't care if it's diapers, middle school, high school, college, and then bring us forward. Tell us about your life and where you are now. 
Well, I think that I channeled Gary Vaynerchuk before he was even born because I've sort of always been that side hustler. I mean, I've been working since I was 12 and I was just a born entrepreneur. That doesn't mean that I was always great at it. I majored in communications and journalism in college, although I changed my major about 10 times. So as you can tell, I get bored quite easily and I'm, I'm a dreamer, big picture person. So constantly thinking of the next thing. And when I got out of college, I did some PR work for a while and got married, had kids and was a stay-at-home mom for quite a while. Always, like I said, had some kind of a side hustle on. And a defining moment for me is when I took a temp job at a printing agency. And the owner pulled me aside and said, oh man, like you're just a born salesperson. And I never really thought of myself in that way, but he's like, you've been selling shit forever, right? So (laughs) I ended up moving from like a temp customer service role to a sales role. And at that time, I was kind of going through a rocky marriage and I was living down South and I wanted to move back to Connecticut. So I was really struggling as to what I wanted to do. And I was at the library one day, and this is a true story. And the self-help section was right next to the kids section. And I saw the book, Think and Grow Rich. I read it. And if you haven't read it, the short version is you can have anything in life that you want if you're willing to put in the time. And again, those mountains in the road really just are insignificant. They just become road bumps when you're really focused on the prize and you believe that you can do it. So I went into my boss the next morning and I said, listen, I got to move back to Connecticut. You need to find me. I worked for a franchise. I said, you need to find me a place in Connecticut where I can be a salesperson. He did that. They hired me. I moved back to Connecticut and I ended up being in the top 1% of salespeople in the nation for that company. But I was getting, yeah, but I was getting bored and there was some management issues there. And so I left and started a company with one of my coworkers. We pretty much bought wholesale, sold retail. And when I tell you that I did everything wrong that you should do when you launch a business, I did. I mean, we hit probably close to a million dollars in revenue the first year, but it blew up miserably. And I ended up losing about half a million dollars, lost my house. It was a train wreck. After that, though, I became obsessed with what makes a good business, what makes a smart entrepreneur, why businesses fail, why they win. And it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. They always say sometimes like your greatest fails turn into your, one of your greatest opportunities. Well, that was mine. So, I mean, after that, I launched a company called Brook Hollow Marketing and I'm getting to the insurance part now. And so Brook Hollow Marketing, we were like pretty much a full service marketing company. We did everything from graphic design and branding. And when I was selling printing, I ended up always working with the marketing teams and they started asking me advice on what they should put in their brochures. And Timex was one of my largest clients at the time when I was selling printing. And I would literally sit in with their brand managers and I was like, wow, I know how to do this stuff. (laughs) Like, and I'm actually better at it than they are on some level. Like they were just really short-sighted <laughs> about the customer experience and all of that. So when I started my next company, I was still selling some printing, but one of my clients is like, can you put together a marketing strategy for me? I'm like, sure. I've never done it before, but I did made a grand off of it. I'm like, okay, this wasn't too difficult. 
Hello. That company is still using that overall strategy today, and I've had them for about 20 years now. So, oh, wow. yeah. That makes you feel good. Yeah. And one of my clients at the time was an insurance agency who hired me to brand their high net worth division. And when I got in there, I was like, you can't just market one division. You have to have an overall brand strategy. And they were really growing. They needed help in the sales department. Their sales team was a train wreck at the time. So part of my strategy is like, if you really want to take this to the next level, you should probably think of hiring an in-house marketing and sales director. Now with an agency that's like two and a half million in revenue, that was pretty much unheard of. But they're like, we just don't do that in insurance. I'm like, well, I'm telling you, you got to stop thinking like an insurance agency and start thinking like every other business that's growing out there. So unbeknownst to me at the time, they actually offered me the job as a director of sales and marketing. And it was a hard decision, but I had, you know, as a single mom at that point, a couple of kids headed to college and hadn't had a vacation in 10 years. And it was a six-figure job and full bennies and five weeks vacation. So I took it. And that's how you guys all got to know me in the insurance world. Yeah. So, you know, when I started working for them, I just started doing stuff that I had done with other companies like blogging and social media. And I mean, this was 10 plus years ago now. And at that time, like nobody was really doing that. Kind of like you and I were talking before, you know, it's like, we were kind of innovators in that space, which was cool. And then people like Rick Morgan reached out to me and Ryan Hanley. I started connecting with him and the rest is kind of history. I mean, I was there for about five years, built up their sales, rebranded them, set them up for an acquisition, which was kind of their long-term strategy. I phased out from there and started my company where I am now, Red Barn Consulting. So that's kind of my story. How long have you been doing Red Barn Consulting? Red Barn's a little over five years now. And I was going to say we three to four, but yeah, wow. Time yeah. goes by quick. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> We're not right. getting any younger, Jason. And so what, yeah, amen to that, sister. So what are you doing on a day in and day out basis for the industry, for agencies? Kind of like what happened when I was in-house at Founders. I mean, I got in there and realized that, you know, they called me and they needed marketing help. And I get in there and 90% of the time, there's so much other stuff that needs to be fixed, Jason. And you know this because you're an agency owner, right? The mm -hmm. operations, the culture of the company, all of that really needs to get worked on before you get to marketing and sales. So I would say 90% of the time when I'm working with agents now, or even when I'm working with carriers to help their agents, it's all on this operations piece first. So building hey, out... man. Yeah. Policies, processes, and procedures, spending some time with the business owner going, where the hell do you want to be in five years? You know, what are your business goals? I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, I want to triple revenue in five years. And then it's another thing to look at a staff who's never going to get you there, or, you know, you don't have the right markets or your branding. There's a huge disconnect. So, or the culture. Yeah. I asked the loyal listeners right now, I say to yourself, like, what and who runs your office? Like, if you think about that right now, like what runs your office and you can, you know, you can say me or whatever. No, your culture runs your office. Yeah. That's just the way that it is. I've heard Billy Williams say one time, he said, if you don't believe me, just leave for two weeks and see what happens. I mean, your culture runs your office. And it's very hard for me as well. That is a really hard piece to try to put together when it comes to the culture, because it's something that it's not tangible, right? 
Like you can't feel it, you can't touch it, but yet you can feel it and you do see it when in the way your business works. And it's tough to create that. I think it's by leading by example on what you want and what you see, I think is important. It says here, looking at your LinkedIn, it says that you help you define, it says what I do. I help you define your story and then create a process for you to share your story and the ideal client, closing deals quicker and increasing revenue. And I think that's what it's all about. But I love what you said first is that it starts with the organizational because- yep. Cindy, doesn't it work that way in anything? Like I can't make somebody else better unless I make myself better. I can't tell somebody else how to mow their yard unless my own yard looks good. You know, how can I sit here and tell somebody that we're different and we're a different type and we create a better customer experience when somebody walks in the door and sees that we're just like everybody else. But yet I talked about this with Ryan Handley on his last podcast is that it seems like agents are more interested in chasing the shiny object, the cool marketing and strategy and this big thing of video, you know, and getting out there and, and separating yourself that way. But yet I think there's a huge concern when the client walks in the door and it's still like grandma and grandpa's old shop. What do yep. you think about that? Oh, I agree. And I mean, it's more than the paint on the walls too. I mean, when I walk into an agency and if it's like a morgue, that is a huge red flag for me. So yes. I spend a lot of time because, you know, if an owner brings me in to work with them, I said, listen, the only way you're going to work with me is I need to spend some time with your team when you're not there, because that's where I really get the dirt, right? Yes. Like, so if they tell me like, oh yeah, you know, the boss comes in and they want us to do all these account rounding and we need revenue up. And then, you know, he's never in the office you know, he's off golfing or she's off golfing or whatever the story is. And they'd swoop in once a week and just yell at people. Like you're never going to get to where you want to be. And those miserable employees, I always say there's never a bad employee. They're just in the wrong spot or the wrong company or whatever. But if you have an unhappy employee, that trickles down to that customer experience. You know, it's like if you've ever called the IRS and you have to get through to somebody (laughs) and you get one miserable person after another. And then all of a sudden you get one person that says, oh, my God, Cindy, I'm so sorry you've had this experience. Well, hello. Like you just made my day now. I still have to deal with my IRS issue, but at least I'm being validated that something is wrong here. So, you know, if an agency is having retention issues or, you know, and they start blaming it on carriers and markets and stuff, 90% of the time, it's some kind of staffing or operational issue. Are you ready to transform the way your business communicates? Look no further than Lightspeed Voice, the ultimate solution for insurance agencies seeking a seamless communication. I've used them for over eight years. I'm telling you what I'm reading is the truth. Picture this crystal clear calls, advanced features, unparalleled, flexible, tailored, just for you. That's Lightspeed Voice. Tired of drop calls and outdated systems? Lightspeed Voice has your back. Say goodbye to communication hiccups and hello to a new era of efficiency. I love that. Boost productivity with features like call recording, voice to email, and effortless call transfers. Work from the office, from home, or on the go. Lightspeed Voice keeps you connected wherever your business takes you. Don't worry about the transition. Our dedicated support and onboarding teams will guide you every step of the way. Make the switch to Lightspeed and join the ranks of satisfied insurance agency owners like me experiencing the power of seamless communication. Ready to elevate your agency? Visit lightspeedvoice.com or call 877.97-VOICE to schedule your free demo. Lightspeed Voice. We're more than just talk. Cast approved. 
Oh my gosh. Holy cow. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. And when it comes to a staffing issue, I think you're right. It goes back to finding the, you know, the right bus and finding the right people to put on the right bus yeah. and the right seat and that whole thing like that, which I think is important. But I also have been harping on a lot of times too, because I'm starting to find it out that really, you know, when you look at a lot of businesses, you don't necessarily have to hire the brightest and smartest people in the world for every position. It's just about creating a process and then finding somebody who's going to run that process. I'm really trying to beat that into my head is what we do. One thing I want to circle back here, Cindy, I want to ask you about this. There's a lot that we can learn in our failures, but actually more we can learn in our failures than we can in our wins. That's kind of like, you know, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? We all love to win, but there is a lot that we can learn from losing. And going back to one thing that you said about when you just lost it, like you lost your house, you lost your business, you lost that. And what's awesome is, is that you're okay with talking about that because you've obviously said to yourself like, wow, I'm actually kind of glad maybe in a weird way this happened because I learned a lot. What were those things? What are a couple of those things that agents and owners out there and just, and you know, even producers who are starting off and are saying, Hey, I'm going to build my book, but I one day want to own my own business. What did you learn? What did you glean from that? Well, I gleaned that I was very cocky, right? So, you know, I'm in my thirties. I was top of my game. I thought I knew everything and I didn't surround myself with people that were smarter than I am. So, you know, good attorneys, good accountants, all of that stuff. So if you're a business owner, I don't give a crap what industry you're in, that core group of people, like you really need good legal counsel and good accountants and financial planners and all that. You have to do the due diligence to see if your company is viable in the marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing I learned was, you know, when you have business partners, make sure that you have really clear partnership agreements and, and gray areas and businesses just don't fly. Like you have to have And this is why I harp on agencies with policies, processes, and procedures. It's like, if you do not have that, it falls apart so quickly, like so quickly. And the other thing that I really learned was you need to hire into the culture. So, you know, when I'm interviewing people or working with agents, you know, if you have like a CSR who is doesn't want to be talked to and just wants to be in the cube and work all day, yet the rest of the team is very boisterous and has pom-poms hanging from their cubes. Like that's just not going to be a right fit. It's going to be a culture disaster. And that person, you're going to invest a lot of money and that person is going to end up leaving. So, I mean, the big reason my first business failed is because I didn't do that due diligence ahead of time. And I didn't listen to the right people as well. So several people had said to me, really don't want three business partners. Like, are you sure, you know, and again, I was cocky. So it was a hard lesson to learn, but kind of like, you know, JK Rowling with Harry Potter. I mean, she was kind of at the bottom and the only place to go is up at that point. (laughs) Right. I was embarrassed to tell that story for a very long time. And finally it was an awakening for me. It's like, well, you know, it's just part of who I am. It happened. I learned from it. I'm successful now. So like, why not share that story if it saves somebody else some headache? It wasn't unicorns and fairy dust, let me tell you. It really sucked for a long time. But like I said, there was no place to go but up, really. Unicorns and fairy dust. It, and it's never like that for anybody. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like zero, no. it's like 0.00001% of the people. It's like, you know, you can even think about like someone like Steve Jobs. I mean, he's always the one that's yeah. easy to pick out. I mean, he was booted from his own corporation. You know what I mean? I mean, he yeah. was pushed out only to come back and, and still dominate. I love your little saying 
saying. You may not even realize you may have said it, but I think that there, I take massive notes whenever I'm doing these. And I love it. You said gray areas just don't fly. And I love that because they don't. That, that is true. That is true. Gray areas. Travis and I, we literally have the, one of the greatest partnerships that I could ever imagine. I mean, we fill each other's spots, what he's good at, I'm bad at, what I'm good at, he's bad at. And we're just, it's really, really cool. One of the things that people say, well, maybe it's not healthy or not, I'll call it healthy as can possibly be. One of the things that's really nice is that when we got together, we in the last three years, see three years in April, we really have never had like a big argument. Like uh, we've had disagreements, but we always have a way of realizing that we're very civil. One of the things that we did come closest to an argument or a big drop, you know, fight here was about three weeks ago, <laughs> maybe four weeks ago. Well, it's probably, yeah, it's right around the beginning of January. And in the purchase of this office, we had had some thoughts. Everything we have is written out. We have an operating agreement. We have our business plan for what we Perfect. think and everything. We have all that so that him and I are on the same page. But one thing we hadn't done was we assumed what was going to be the ownership once we bought our first agency. And because we discussed that two or three years ago when we were first coming together, that was down the line, right? So we just kind of had these assumptions. And I'll be honest with you, just the truth of the matter is he had more assumptions than I did. And and not a negative, bad one way or another is probably my fault for not listening more. But what was amazing is, is this came to fruition one day when we were sitting around talking and discussing going forward after February 1st when we owned the agency. And I won't get too far into it, but it was kind of like, he kind of looked at me and was like, that's not what I've assumed the whole time. And what was amazing is, is we had written down everything and everything that we had written down, it was like, that's the way it is, right? But it was that little gray area and it was a very small area, but it was actually the most important area of how we were going to do things once after February 1st came. And it came to the point where, I mean, we decided it was probably best for us not to talk. Like, and not for us to talk, like we said our things and then we went on and then we started emailing each other back and forth, you know, so that we could keep things. And then once we kind of felt like, okay, I think we're on the same page, then we came back together and we sat down and said, here's what I think. And Hey, I had to give in on some things. He had to give in on some things, but I love what you say there. Gray areas just don't fly because it was that in this great partnership we had had. It was that one little area that we had never clarified, that we had never written down, that we just kind of left to assumption. That was really, if we weren't mature, and I think if we were probably in our 20s and early 30s to where we would have big egos, it probably could have blown off to something else. So I really, really like, and I think that there's a lot to be learned right there for a lot of you agency owners and a lot of you business owners out there is that, yeah, you think you understand what your partner and you have that agreement on. And you said you had three partners. So there was four of you total, Cindy. Is that right? Oh, it was a train wreck. It was <laughs> such a train wreck. Yeah. I mean, I laugh at it now, but when I tell you train wreck, it was, I mean, I ended up doing the majority of the sales and which was fine. That's what I did. But I assumed that the other three were going to carry their weight and do other stuff. And I mean, it was just didn't happen. It has to. And so many agency owners, you know, they were one salespeople, they get equity in the bit and then they end up owning a business and they've never run a business before. And they find themselves with business partners and it's a train wreck waiting to happen. It's a hot mess, right? So I'm like, well, who does what? And then there's always one partner that still wants to be a salesperson. And then by default, another person ends up running the agency and they don't know how to do that. And then maybe another person ends up running the staff and- They don't know how to do that. You know, 
they don't know how to do it. And then they get frustrated because then the salesperson thinks that they're doing all the work and they're making all the money and the other people aren't doing anything when the other people are pulling their hair out. So wow. it's also being realistic about what your strengths and weaknesses are. I mean, I'm mentioning Gary Vaynerchuk again, but I mean, his big thing is like you triple down on the stuff that you're really good at and then you outsource the rest, Yeah, right? it used to be so, uh, double, double down on your strengths and forget your weaknesses. And, and, and yeah. I, I love when you'd say that. That was actually the motto of Grow Lab 2016 was double down on your strengths and forget your weaknesses. I do agree with that emphatically, emphatically. Very hard to put into practice sometimes, Cindy, but I do agree with that. Yeah, because you, know? you have to pay for it. But, you know, and a lot of business owners, they don't want to pay for marketing and they don't want to pay for this and they don't want to pay for that or, you know, bringing in a bookkeeper. I mean, all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to think of how much time, mm. I mean, how much money your time is mm-hmm. worth, right? So if you can go out and sell a $50,000 policy and what's the commission on that, you know, five, seven grand, I mean, you could do that or you can sit in the office and try to manage staff or hire people and you don't even know how the hell to do that. So hire an operations manager. It'll be well worth it. So you can go do what you're really good at and what you like, right? Life is too short to be miserable for one thing. So absolutely. Uh, you are so right yeah. about that. No, Amen. you're so right also <laughs> about doing we, oh my gosh, I'm inside these Greece Facebook groups, right? And I'm listening. And one of the conversations that I'm seeing happen a lot over the last 20, 30, 40 days is, is okay, what are some deductions that I need to make sure that I get as a tax, as an insurance agency, business owner, agent, whatever. And so many times, like, you know, you just answer the question. You're like, oh, check out this or that. And sooner or later, you'll hear the agent and they'll sit there and say, well, you know, last year when I did my taxes, da, 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 this year when I do it, I'm looking for this and that. And what will actually come out of the conversation is, is that they are doing their own taxes. And it's oh, like, train oh my gosh, I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? Not only that, I mean, like the only exception I would say to that is like, if you've been in business less than a couple months and you like have no money, right? And you barely have any expenses yeah. anyways, and you're just trying to make it, okay? All right, now everybody listening, loyal listeners, if you're not that person, you should not be doing your own taxes. I mean, <laughs> not only are you costing yourself yeah. money, but also just the time it takes. I mean, here's the thing that's funny, Cindy. We tell people that they shouldn't do their own insurance, but yet we have insurance agents who are doing their own taxes and the tax code is way more difficult than the actual insurance code. So it sounds really, really funny. Well, I don't know if you understand the difference between bodily injury, a hundred thousand, 300,000, but yet you're, <laughs> you're explaining that to people, right? But yet you are trying to think you're going to come up with a new tax code that's new every year. It blows my mind, blows my mind. Please, please get. Oh, yeah. So I like what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. I mean, the same with managing people though. I mean, not everybody, you can be a leader and you can be a great entrepreneur, but you could also suck at managing people, right? Yeah. So, I mean, because managing people requires to be semi-detail oriented and you need to be part therapist, part mom, part dad, and be able to, you know, be a project manager too. I mean, especially in an agency where you're only looking at, you know, five or 10 employees. I mean, you're going to wear a lot of hats, but as an owner, if that's not you, you're never going to get your company to that you know, five, 10 million in revenue, unless you have somebody who's really good at management You are, or bring in, you know, an outside person to help you. I mean, it's just not part of the business you should really. And it is that tough part though. I, I would say that I'm there, Cindy. It's to the fact that I could hire an operations manager, probably couldn't pay them the money that they need for a good one. 
But I'm also thinking to myself like, okay, but wait a minute, you've lost 80% of what you do every day being sales. So if you hired somebody and then you went out and sold like you were supposed to, that's the key though, is that the agent who was then the agent who became the agency owner, now as the agency grew, now he had to start taking, he or she had to start taking on more responsibilities. They get out of that sales part. They start to fall in love with the operations part. You start to get that down, but then it comes to the point in time where it's like, okay, but maybe you're not the great greatest operations person. So now that you've started this, you need to hire somebody, but do you have the money to to hire them? Well, you do if you go back into selling, but then again, maybe you've kind of fallen out of love with selling because you found, I'm kind of in that. I love to sell, but I realized that I like doing it in non-for-profits. I really like building businesses. I've realized that what I really like to do is business. And I like building my book. I think I do have a knack. And I, and I say this not to for me, everybody. I'm saying this for you. I want you to look inside your own. I mean, I like training people. I think I have, I'm really good at getting them to understand what I learned and was taken under my wing. I think yeah. mentorship. You think mentorship's a problem today, Cindy? Do you think that's a huge need? That Oh, God, yeah. Because you know what? We have an entire generation of baby boomers. And I am a baby boomer. I'm on the younger mm-hmm. end of it. But I mean, if you think of a lot of those owners that own agencies, now, like they don't want to spend time, not all of them, but a lot don't want to spend time with younger producers or younger commercial line CSRs. I mean, finding good talent, especially if you're looking at commercial line stuff, the learning curve for that is so long. And the only way to learn it is to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can go to a bunch of courses, but unless you're under the wing of a senior principal, somebody who's been doing it forever. I mean, that's just a long one. So yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of mentors out there. I mean, there's a lot of people like us that can train, mm-hmm. but it's different. It is, and, and Cindy, it's also not fair to the, let's say, the younger generation and the older generation. And the fact that there's like this disconnect, the older yeah. generation feels as if, well, this younger generation either just doesn't get it or number two, they do get it, but I can't relate. And then there's the opposite of the younger, well... This person just doesn't get it. And I think I've talked to people who say, well, it's been like that since the history of time. Well, I agree and not, but in just the way I see it and just me, it's the way my brain works. Like I picture like, you know, the chief, the Indian chief. I mean, I believe that there was this great respect from the younger generation to this was the wise one, the one who, you know, would teach us. Yeah. And I think the older person had the wisdom to understand that they can learn from the youth like they did when they were a youth. But today it's like there's this disconnect. It seems like that the older generation is learning from the younger generation, but it doesn't seem like the younger generation is learning as much from the older. And I'm not putting the blame on anybody. It's just this weird dynamic going on right now. It is And so weird. one of the problems that weird. I see with that is we have this recycling of the same thing. That's where I think someone like yourself is beautiful in what you're doing in the fact that we have to have, see right now, a lot of the millennials, they don't understand operations. They don't understand the importance of it. And I'm not saying all of them, but I'm just telling you of the groups that I'm hanging out with, the head people that I'm seeing in this industry, it's all about, man, how do I look on video? How's my email marketing going to be structured so that it'll go in the Google index, you know? And all that stuff is important. (laughs) Don't, Don't get me wrong. It's important. It's so important. But it's like, once again, it's like being the person who wears the nice clothes and has the nice car, but you go home to the trailer. Now, I'm not down to people that live in a trailer. Yeah. Come on now. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying it's like the <laughs> facade you're putting off that's not necessarily true to who you are. And that's what we're trying to be. We're not trying to be this or that. We're just trying to be true to who we are and 
who we were put here to be. And I think that they recycle those same wins that are like, yeah, that's important, but guys, guys, let's get real here. You know, let's get real on really what's going to make your operation a large operation with a high revenue that you're going to want to sell one day so that you can retire and live happy, yeah. you know? I mean, what I love about millennials though, is they really understand the culture thing. The, I mean, they absolutely get as- that. And that's huge. So I think we are breeding at like my kid's generation, like my daughter's going to be 29 in a couple of weeks. That generation, they're born leaders. Like they're not going to take any crap. They want to get hired into a culture that's important. They want to be part of the mm-hmm. process. They want to see the change, all of that good stuff. And where we as the older generation can help them is in this, you know, what our scar tissue and our brain food, you know, all of that operations and stuff. I think the culture thing though is amazing. And for senior leadership that's out there that either want to set their agency up to sell or maybe pass it on to an equity owner, let those younger people drive that change of the culture and bringing together like amazing stories. And then you just support in the back end on actually how to run a company And if that happens, it's going to be magical because those younger people, like, you know, everybody that Ryan's hanging out with, they are so incredibly driven and their brains are like sponges when it comes to this stuff. And they just want to learn. They do. So I think that's really cool. The problem is they're learning from Hanley and that's where their downfall is. So it's just, it's unbelievable. No, I'm joking. I like to beat him up when he's not here because then he defends himself and he's like me, he talks forever. So anyways, no. And if you guys didn't listen to it, I was on a podcast last week with Agency Nation through Ryan's new podcast. And so if you get a chance, go listen to that. Uh, you'll get to see Ryan and I mix it up. But closing this up and wrapping it up with leaders are readers and readers are leaders. You'd mentioned the word think and grow rich or not the word, the book. Grow rich. Yep. Any other things out there that you think that people could invest their mind in to learn and to read that you're reading maybe now or have you read in the past? Oh gosh, I'm a voracious reader. I mean, right now on my nightstand, I just finished up Michael Hyatt's Your Best Year Ever. A great okay. book. Also finished reading Crushing It by Gary Vaynerchuk. How was that? It was a good book. Did you it read was a good book. I mean, it's different than his first one. I haven't read them all. I read Crush It and then Crushing It. So Crushing It is like sort of, you know, 10 years later from the first one. And he brings a lot of stories in of people who are crushing it. So it's okay. kind of cool. I mean, if you're into social media and digital marketing, it's kind of a must read. Plus, if you like Gary, you should read it. But other books that I tend to read, like I really like Malcolm Gladwell. I'm reading David and Goliath was a really good book. And just finished re-listening to The Tipping Point again because I drive a lot. So I tend to have audio books going too. That's and my you are a leader because you are a reader. That's the truth there. And I will tell you this, <laughs> it, it, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk is a must. I think he is. Uh, one thing I would tell people not to do for a while there, I put Gary as my first to see inside my Facebook newsfeed ad. So like every time I'd go there, his whatever his latest thing was would pop to the top. I just don't recommend people doing that. And the reason is, is I just tell you this, like I hardly listen to the guy anymore because I was like that for a year and a half. And like he was popping up and I got to the point where I was like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just a smart ass, Cindy. It's just the way that it is. But I don't think anybody loves Gary Vaynerchuk more than Gary Vaynerchuk loves Gary Vaynerchuk. That's just the way that it is. Okay. But I'm going to tell you what, That's part of his the dude is good. The dude is good. The dude gets it. I mean, he started with some janky YouTube videos about wine and, and I mean, and came to who yeah. he is now. And I mean, there's so many successful people that are saying, Hey, I did what he said. And, and I think also when we're talking about that mentorship, yeah, I think he's really good at it. 
I think he's really good at making yes. that connection because he is, what is it? Am I correct? Like mid forties, like 44, 45, 46, yeah. somewhere in there, yeah. Somewhere yeah. In there. maybe it's somewhere in there, but he's doing a really good job with connecting with people who are 18, 20, 22, 23 years old. And he's learning from them. Right. And they're learning from him. And it's that kind of that of, of the way, I guess it used to be, in my opinion, a lot more frequent in the olden days of that kind of dynamic of a two-way street. And so that's where I give him many, yeah. many kudos because I think he learns more from the younger generation than they actually do him. And that's awesome. And that's awesome because then he's also able to help translate that to someone like myself, who's about the same age as Gary, to be able to understand yeah. how they are. But anyways, anyways, I do appreciate you coming on. Cindy, tell us about you. And if anybody's sitting there listening to you and realizing like they're sitting there saying to themselves right now, Cindy, they're like, I see why Jason brought her on. She's like, awesome. And I say, I know <laughs> I never disappoint. Yes, I Cindy, you. How do you, how should people find out about you? Well, you can go check out my website. It's redbarnconsultingllc.com. And Jason mentioned my weekly newsletters. I really call it my journaling, my personal therapy. But every Thursday morning at 6 a.m., I do send out an email. You can sign up on my website. And if you don't mind me plugging something, I just recently launched a new online program to really help small business owners, coaches, consultants, or even agency owners who really can't afford to pay $50,000, $60,000 a year to have a consultant come in and fix them. This is kind of a do it with me model where they can kind of go through the program. I teach them everything that I know and help them work through it, but it's more in a group setting. Again, if you go to the website, it's right there on the front. You can click on a button, watch the video and stuff where like that. You, so where'd you that's get kind of Red Barn Consulting? What was that? Well, it's all part of my personal brand. I grew up on a farm. I'm definitely a country girl. I have a red barn at my house. My office is not gotcha. in it, but it's just kind of who I am. Yeah, I'd much rather be out in the country right. than in the city. And it always lets you symbolize something. <laughs> you know, when you see a red barn out in the horizon, yeah. you think to yourself, there's probably a farm there. Yeah, and it's welcoming and, and people always ask me. So it's a conversation I why started. red was always chosen though. Who didn't start just like making barns and they made them blue and then, you know? It had to do with actually rust. That's how that paint originally uh, happened. And there's a whole story behind why they started painting. But if you Google oh, it, man. Yeah, I forget the whole Shoot, story. Shoot, I should have got into that earlier. Cindy, yeah. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having <laughs> the conversation with me on Agents Influence Podcast. I do greatly appreciate what you do for this industry. I've heard nothing but great things about you. I do encourage all you loyal listeners to go out to her website, sign up for her newsletter. She does put a unique spin on the way that you need to look at the day the way you need to look at your culture, the way you need to look at your operations, your brand. And that means that you need to just look at the way things that you're doing as a business owner. Cindy, once again, thank you for your time. This has been Agents Influence Podcast, Conversations with Jason Cass. See you next time. Are you looking for an insurance community to join? Have you heard of the LAAIA? The Latin American Association for Insurance Agents is just not for Latins. Their focus on diversity and inclusion over the last few years has made this 54-year-old association one of the fastest growing and the most dynamic associations in the industry. With established chapters in Florida, Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, and Denver, it's no surprise this association has the attention of everyone in this industry. Their upcoming national convention on beautiful Marco Island includes keynote speaker Trisha Griffith, the CEO of Progressive. National leaders from around the country like Marshberry, Vertifor, Lula, and more will be here on center stage as well. And whether you're an independent agent, 
a captive agent, life or health agency, or even a financial services professional, this association offers you everything you need to network and grow your business. Make sure you check them out and consider joining me, Jason Cass, at the next upcoming convention. It's going to be August 21st, the 24th, at the JW Marriott on stunning Marco Island. This has been Cass Approved.